sleep, motherfucker. Don't go to sleep. And do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Well, what the hell are you saying, Doss? You bruised half your body sleeping. I, I sleep pretty hard. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. <laughs> That's the dead lady. I've had zero laughs today. It's a thing. <laughs> zero laughs. Hey, it's Brian. Hey, it's Murdoch. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Rumor, innuendo, all the things about your, you know, your favorite artists, your favorite bands, things you think you might know, maybe don't know. Uh, I appreciate everyone sending us kind words via the email inbox. We are the story guys at gmail.com. Also, via wherever you listen to the show, like this review that was just left by Shadowboxer25. Five-star review. Murdoch, I know you need some positivity in your life, so... I, we got a five-star review. I do today. I just went to a sandwich shop, and they charged me 10 times for a sandwich. I paid $140 for a pastrami sandwich. So yeah, let's hear this five-star review. I feel like that's a real revisiting of your New York life, your former New York days. And look, I'm wearing a cat shirt. Like, like how did they, like, couldn't they, like, see me? I wasn't a mark or anything, like, which I really am a mark. But, like, just let me have the sandwich. I don't need to pay for the sandwich 10 times. Five-star review. Okay, five-star review from Shadowboxer25. This show is amazing. The guys are really funny together. Amazing. Everyone is very knowledgeable, and the show is an all-around good time. Wow, that feels nice. I needed that yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, I know, we, because our other topic is death. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> big news in the last week. The queen is dead. Actually dead. Not just being sung about as, as having passed. Uh, the queen no longer is living. Queen Elizabeth II, the UK's longest-serving monarch, age 96, reigned for 70 oh. years. So, confession time. Do you understand the British government and the royal family at all? Do you understand how any of it works? Somewhat, but I'm also not very interested. <laughs> Mo- the word monarchy, like I'm like mm, tuned out. Yeah, I know. So I'll admit I know almost nothing on the subject. So I had to do a little digging, um, and so I got a very rudimentary outline here. Like one thing I didn't understand is the difference between like the parliament and the prime minister and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. and the queen or the king or however any of that works. Right? Completely separate. So yeah. So basically. The United Kingdom has a, a queen or a king, a monarch, as you said, but that person's political power is kept to a minimum. Uh, they like get some oversight, and they're like, you know, on like an advisory committee of sorts. But the day-to-day political stuff is left up to the prime minister and the governing body. So, for the past seventy years, for comparison here, there have been sixteen prime ministers. Uh, and, and just to compare that to the U.S., there have been thirteen U.S. presidents in that time. But during all of that time, there's only been one. Queen. Yeah, that's right. If you get that gig as the queen and you don't do controversial shit that makes people uncomfortable, like Elizabeth's horny uncle Edward VIII did, uh, did you know about this guy? He like, yeah. yeah he, he went to marry a socialite from America. That pissed everybody off. Uh, if you don't do that, you get to be in charge until you die. Now, that sounds just like a boring fact. And, and to me, I was like not even really all that interested in any of this. And then I realized that if this woman has been queen for 70 years... To put it into the context of our show, she has been the queen for the entire length of rock and roll history. It is so true. So since 1953. So if you mark, I mean, roughly the early 50s as the beginning of rock and roll, there's only been one monarch, one ruler in Britain that entire time. And think about the outsized amount of contribution that comes from Britain. Yeah, and and, uh, that... That concert footage of the Beatles playing and she's in the audience. Right? Yeah. Now. Just rattle your jewelry. So 
this means a couple of things. This means that any rock song that you've ever heard about the Queen, it's been about a single person. <laughs> the same person. Like, if you hear a protest song in America, if it was by the Ramones, it's about Reagan. If it's by The Offspring, it's about George H.W. If it's by Green Day, it's about George W., right? But in the U.K., they're all about Elizabeth II. Yeah, no one, no one is singing songs about um, Boris Johnson. <laughs> like, there's not, like... Like a hit, like a hit list of like punk rock bands. There could, there should have been some songs about boards. There probably are somewhere. But the Beatles, Her Majesty, that's about Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Hey, that's yeah. like that's sort of damning. Um, the right. Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen. Yeah. Uh, the Smiths, The Queen is Dead. The Stone Roses, Elizabeth, my dear. Ah, yeah, I forgot all about that one. All of these, Queen Elizabeth II. But what may be more interesting. Than the times that rock and roll was railing against the queen, are the times that rock and roll was embracing, or at least like being embraced by the queen. Now we've seen this in stereotypical ways: visits, performances, that sort of. Like you just mentioned, she's in the audience at a Beatles show, and we do this in America. Like we bring out John Legend when you like the Christmas tree in December. Uh, it's just good PR. But then Queen Elizabeth II took it a step further because she started knighting. Rock stars, yeah, the MBE medal, right? Is that what it is? So, My, the, no, the is it the Knights of the British Empire or something? It, 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 dude, it's even better than that. It has the term "most excellent" in it, and every time I say it, I feel like Bill and Ted. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm the most excellent order of the British Empire. Uh, they put the ribbon right on you, Mister Clapton. Do, do you understand the significance of being knighted in the UK? I don't know. Like, all of it seems like posturing. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's... I don't get it, no. It, it, it's funny, too, because for me, like... And I've just had this realization when doing this research. Like, both of the women in my house are huge readers of the fantasy genre, right? Okay. And I know plenty of people who are into Game of Thrones and, and all these things, right, that have this element of royalty and... Um, you know, like layers of people, where people stack and all this sort of stuff. And it's always felt very, very artificial or not real to me because very purebred American, right? Where we just have a president and we don't have like a royal family and we don't have all of these like things where you're trying to get aligned to the royal family and where you're born matters yeah. in, into the family and all that sort of stuff. And, and we're not knighted. Like we might have like, we could be like, you know, the we get the key to the city, but like that's like at the mayor's office and there's just a closet full of keys. Like that's just a thing. And the closest thing I did think of is in Kentucky, and people may not know this, in oh. Kentucky you could become a colonel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a real thing. And I believe my wife like was joking about it and and she knew somebody that had gotten that uh that signification and so like one day we just got a thing in the mail that was like deborah you are now a, a colonel a kentucky colonel <laughs> that doesn't yeah. even mean anything right it's, I, it feels I, insignificant i don't know what it is but man i love fried chicken and i know it has nothing to do with it and i want to be a kentucky colonel <laughs> just for that just so uh, i can i can have some fried chicken like attached and to my I, personality. I think i read this week in passing about what i don't even know why this came across my radar but i think i read that it was an artificial signification for him, too. Like, it wasn't... I mean, he's not actually a colonel. No. I think. Like, he was just... It was like a made-up thing for him, and then it's, like, become a thing well, yeah, it's associated like, with Kentucky. It's like Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, well, he just totally made that up. We talked about this <laughs> on the show. Name. He just made... He just was like, I'm gonna, like, call me colonel. Like, yeah. that was just the... He just had the audacity. And Tom. Yeah. And Parker. 
So yeah, he made up the whole name. The whole name. The whole name. Whole name. None of it was real. No. Uh, okay, so it, let's talk. Let's talk about being a knight, though, because there is a historical thing about being a knight. When I think of being a knight, I think of Heath Ledger in a Knight's Tale, which just says something about is my age. You, do you yeah. know what I thought about? What, first I thought, night he, with Sean Connery? No, I thought, he's brave Sir Robin, brave Sir Robin. <laughs> I think about, he runs away. I got thought about, I thought about Eric, Eric Idle running away and being brave well, Sir Robin and Monty Python. I was going to say Monty Python is probably the other place to land <laughs> on that. That's true. That's uh, <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, so, he, okay. Here's a quick history lesson. We're going back to the Middle Ages for a second. This is exactly where you wanted to be on a rock and roll podcast. Between the years 700 and 800 or so, the reign of Charlemagne. That's who's in charge at this point. This is before ACDC. If we could just put some yeah. initials, BC, B, B, ACDC. So go ahead. This is before Thunderstruck. Uh, that This is where the idea of knights is invented. All right. They're basically characterized by, by two things happening. They're warriors and they ride horses. So right. horse riding is an important part of being a knight. Uh, early versions of knights would ride into battle on a horse, and then they would slide off their horse, and they'd get their fight on. And and then did they have a slide? Because that would be bad. I think they just they just. So I was like, so no. Okay, so then they they invent something. It's so funny how like small inventions change history. The stirrup gets invented, which allows you to. Place your feet attached to the saddle for those non-equestrian folk listening. And so, are you a non-equestrian person? Do I look like I ride a horse? I mean, have you like I've ridden a horse? I've ridden a horse. I I don't like regularly ride a horse. Yeah. So I don't know what qualifies me as equestrian or non-equestrian in this situation. I had a horse. Like you owned one? Uh I was a kid. Yeah. Really? I had a pet horse. What was his name? Red. Why? Okay. It's what happens when you have a kid named a horse. There's been a hundred plus episodes of this show, and we have never talked about you owning a horse before. I mean, I didn't own it myself. I was like five. I didn't have all the the details. Did you get to like ride it around the yard? Like, no, we had. It was on our farm, and like I would ride it around with my dad. And like I remember, at some point, I would get to ride it once I was big enough. And then, uh, and then, like they were going to put Red to sleep. And then that's what I was going to ask is like, how did red leave the farm? Yeah. So, um, so one of my dad's friends took red to a horse show and there was a, there was like an old man there with his little, like his granddaughter or something. And he was talking to me. He's like, man, I really wish I had a, a nice horse for my granddaughter ride. And he was like, well, listen, man, this horse ain't going to last much longer, but like, and, and, uh, gave red and the saddle away, like the saddle, which I was like, really good. The saddle away, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These things are expensive as hell. But like they, he gave it up. This is like the time that my dad took me to work uh, when I was in high school. And when I came home, he told me that he had sold my car. <laughs> oh, what is to, to five For $500 to a man named Moses. <laughs> Which to a preacher was really a great sign. Like that felt good, right? Like... I can't it believe- was between Noah and Moses. Well, it was like, it was a similar thing. The car was not going to last much longer. He was doing me a favor. It was a Buick Park Avenue. Oh my gosh, my dad just sold a Buick Park Avenue. It's weird. Uh, so, yeah, but this one I'm hoping was a lot older than your dad's. I hope your dad's was not a 1983 Buick Park Avenue that he just sold. He got $5,500 for it. It's crazy. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, like, I wouldn't have given him... $500. I was going to say, better than the $500 I got from Moses. Yeah. But, it, but, anyway. if I wa- but if I want to get knighted, 
I, I'm going to be on a horse and I got to slide. So, and so, then there's okay. stirrups. So, we got there. They get stirrups and then they can fight on the horse. That That's the significance of the stirrup is now you can stay on the horse when you fight. So you have a place to put your feet. Ha ha. I'm making this. <laughs> this is my fighting. Now, most, sound most stance. orders. <laughs> most orders of knights had a set of rules for behavior. That's the chivalric code that comes into play. And this aspect will get popularized in the literary canon, right? So you got King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. You got Heath Ledger and the Knight's Tale. You got Eric Idle and Monty Python. Um, So from roughly 1560 on, it becomes possible to just be given the honor of being a knight without having to do the horse and armor bit because um, it becomes sort of unessential, right? Late Middle Ages uh, technology is creeping forward and militaries are discovering that it's way cheaper to teach a dude how to shoot a gun than to teach a dude how, dude how to joust. And so... Um, or you, spread infectious diseases. Yeah. You even have to run around as a knight. Here's smallpox. Take a little smallpox. So, it, uh, it uh, knight becomes a purely honorific way to confer prestige and distinction. And to skip just like 400 years and get straight to the punchline, this essentially still exists. I was going to say, 400 years, knights in Satan's service. I was like, when do we... How do we get to those knights? Those, those knights from Brooklyn... So in the United Kingdom, honorific knighthood conferred in two different ways. One is complicated, and I don't understand it. It has something to do with historical ties. But the main one is when the monarch, who for the last 70 years has been Queen Elizabeth II, can just give you the honor. And that's technically referred to as being a knight bachelor. So I don't know if it means that you take your armor off and you stick your hand down your chastity belt and eat Fritos on the couch. You know, being a knight bachelor. This was everything's wrong about the image. I don't know. That what joke to do. didn't work. I'm sorry. Oh my god! I don't even know what to do. I'll like, cut it. I'll cut it. No, I had like fat bastard from Austin Powers doing that, or like. Uh. All right. As you probably have surmised at some point in your life, uh, in the British honors system, if you are declared a knight by the Queen, you can be denoted as Sir. Sir. And if you are a female, you are a dame. I didn't know that. Well, that Dame Judy Dench. That's why people call her Dame Judy Dench, because she's been knighted as a female. Okay. So, I, just, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. There's actually rules. Like, there's so many rules in all of this, like, to your point about there being so much uh, pomp and circumstance to the sort of the British way of life. There are rules in, like, how you and I could refer to each other. If we were both knighted, how we would be referred to or how we could even refer to each other. Like, there's rules about everything. And to that point, knighthood is pretty prestigious, and British life is all about how you rank, right? And so there have to be other gradations to make knighthood seem noteworthy at all. And so in 1917, George V, who was Elizabeth's granddad, Mm -hmm. uh, created some awards. Like, just basically was like, I'm going to create these other distinctions so that all these people coming back from World War I who weren't soldiers but were definitely super helpful, we, we can be like, yay, thank you, without making them all knights. <laughs> like, we need something else to, to honor them with. Um, hey, you hope someone put on a Band-Aid, you're a knight. No, that's not how that works. So they were like, we're going to create the Order of the British Empire. And this is where we get to what you're talking about. Yeah, got it. Uh, of course, over the years, the requirements for what constitutes being worthy of this honor have slackened quite a bit. So twice a year now, New Year's and then the monarch's birthday. I don't know if this will change now that we have a new monarch or they have a new monarch. Um, they celebrate by handing out these honors. And like sometimes it's like hundreds of people like, Murdoch, you're now, um, you know, wherever in the British uh, order. Okay. 
Are you following me? Because this is a ton. Oh, I got it. Okay. I'm curious, if I can, if the new king will choose people very different or some people that we wouldn't expect. Like, is he all of a sudden going to be like, David, Sir David Gilmore? Like, he's going to start picking... So we're going to get into this because the suggestions on who gets to be... Or, or gets to receive these honors come from other people in the parliament and in the government. So I'm sure that the queen got to say at certain points, like, so-and-so should get this, but like what was happening, and we're going to go through a list here in a minute where I'll point this out, different people, like the director of foreign affairs or whatever, would be like, oh, so-and-so, who's done a lot for foreign affairs, got should it. get this honor. Yeah. Right? And so what you might see is the new monarch making different decisions and saying no, where she might have said Yes. Wow. I have a million-dollar idea. Okay. Here in the United States, we need to take the Universal Life Church, you know, where you can just become a <laughs> pastor, and let's make a different sect of it to where you can you can nominate someone to be a knight. So then you can do that, and then you can, like, have a card so when people are like, oh, my name is Sir Mark, and, like, everywhere you go. And so, when like, today when I went to this sandwich shop and they charged me, they're like, can I get a name for that? I'd be like, Sir Mark is my name. Sandwich maker. <laughs> I want to be a knight now. Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, we learned from Colonel Tom Parker that you can do whatever you want. I know. Just tell people. No one's going to check if you're a Kentucky colonel. Just start telling them you're a colonel. Yeah. You go to Starbucks and you're like, yes, Colonel Murdoch. <laughs> please please write that on the bus. And, and how many Starbucks do you think you have to go before somebody writes it K-E-R-N? Instead of C-O-L-O-N, right? That's going to happen quickly. I, I went to Fuddruckers once, and there was a dozen of us, and I and they said, can I get a name for the order? And I said, Jesus Party of 12. And the, and the lady <laughs> said, nope. <laughs> nope. She noped me. Like, oh, so, okay. Um, so back to these. Where, where can you go if you're not a knight, but you're still part of this British order, right? What are the things right below knight? Top of the stack, knight. And then there's three levels. Member, officer, and commander. And it's the most excellent order of British Empire is literally what it's called. So you're either the member of the most excellent order of British Empire, the officer, or the commander. Excellent. What's popularly considered to have kicked off the entire royal relationship with rock and roll is when Queen Elizabeth bestowed the member of the most excellent order honorific on the Beatles. The audience outside Buckingham may give you an inkling of what's going on. Who's been getting in the oldsters' hair the past few years? Why, the boys who invented hair, the Beatles. Fresh from an audience with the Queen, they hold medals, indicating they have been made members of the most excellent order of the British Empire. The original announcement caused a minor uproar. A couple of MBEs returned their medals, but the raucous foursome accepted the honor quietly. That's more than you can say for the fans who stormed the palace gates. They made the state walls shiver with their moans and cries for the heroes. The Beatles, of course, have proven to be one of Britain's prime exports. They have brought in more foreign exchange than many industries. After all, they are an industry unto themselves. And the Queen saw fit to reward their economic contribution to the nation. They were members of the British Empire, but they were not knights. They were not knights. Okay, so this is October of 65, so this is, like, pretty radical. There are still a lot of feelings about rock and roll, and it's general irreverence and ability to rabble-rouse, and so as the newsreel clip points out that we just heard, the queen doing this causes some controversy and protest. 
Uh, several people return their decorations in disgust. Right, yeah. There's this guy named Colonel Frederick Wagg. He sent back 12 medals that he'd earned fighting in both world wars. Man, Colonel Wagg got some swag issues <laughs> with those he, mop top stars. He resigned from the Labor Party, and he canceled a bequest to the Labor Party. What's a bequest? It's when you say basically like, oh, when I, I die, all this money's going to come to I, you. Oh, 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 I get it. It's like where he leaves all this money. Here's, here's his quote. You want to hear his awesome quote? By the way, who would leave their money? <laughs> this is so very un-American. <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, I'm not going to give it to my kids. I'm going to give it to my ex-wife, uh, Lara. <laughs> here's, here's, here's Wag. Uh, talking about this decision. Decorating the Beatles has made a mockery of everything this country stands for. I've heard them sing and play, and I think they're terrible. <laughs> Which I love that quote, because it's not like, yeah. he's he's not standing on his laurels about patriotism. He's just like, you know, if this was another band. But the Beatles really are not my... my listen, if it was Glenn Miller, and we were giving him an honorary status. Yeah. But, uh, yeah it'd be, you know, uh, if, it was a, if it was big band music... Uh, so, it's also funny to think about the Beatles having this pressure put on them. Again, British royal life is all about formality, so they get pulled aside and they have to learn all these rules and manners before they go in to see the Queen, right? Lennon claims at one point in an interview, yeah, that they got high in the bathroom before they go in to do this. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that's a pretty well-known thing he's told about. I always just figured that was probably the deal to that really happened. I mean that seems totally believable to me George will later say that it, it was not true that they did not do that but I totally believe it I love that George seems to be the most honest beetle that like yeah, he's also like the real straight la- he was the real straight laced one yeah you kind of get the idea that Paul became the leader of the band and so that there comes some trapping with that and John is very different than Paul and they have their own there's insecurities with John and stuff and like obviously George was insecure about Writing, but like once he actually like gets confident with his voice of just talking about things, he just seems like he's the voice of truth. Yeah. That's why yeah. I like. Yeah. That's why I like George, the quiet one. So uh, another interesting note about this. Speaking of Lennon, four years later, he's going to send his MBE back to the Queen. And speaking of great. Uh, missives that are written. He writes, Your Majesty, I'm returning my MBE as a protest against Britain's involvement in the Nigeria Biafra thing, uh, against our support of America in Vietnam, and against cold turkey slipping down the charts. (laughs) (laughs) 1969 Plastic Ono Band single that does not do well. Uh, Very, very funny. Uh, In 2009, I don't know if you knew this, (laughs) they're like in a vault in St. James Palace and they find it. They find John Lennon's (gasps) Wow. Thing. Like it actually came back and they like threw it in a vault. Um, okay, so why why did she give this to the Beatles? Right? Now in the newsreel, they make a quick point to say that the Beatles are are their own industry. They're they're generating more money for Britain than a lot of major industrial players. They're having a major economic impact. So they're making this huge contribution to the country, and that feels worth celebrating. Hmm. So in the last 20 years or so, these other ranks, member, officer, and commander, have had a lot of rock stars added to them. Um, Most recently, uh, Adele and Ed Sheeran. Um, Wait. Ed Ed, Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's a member? He's a member. Uh, MIA. (laughs) What? I I don't know why. So all these other ones sort of make sense. MIA makes no sense. (laughs) 
it's just terrifying when I when I have a like, little girl in my house is like singing, you know, those songs or whatever. Paper and, planes. Yeah. Uh, how? Why? I, I, yeah. I, this 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 one I don't know. Mel B just got it in May. She's the most recent. She should have never been kicked off America's Got Talent. Now, best third judge ever. <laughs> the next level up. So so that's member, and then you go to the next level up. And you have Kylie Minogue, Annie Lennox, Elvis Costello, Jeff Lynn, Alan Parsons, Roger Taylor from Queen, and Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues. He's the newest. Huh. Okay, so now it's Commander? No, it's Officer. Okay. And then it's Commander. So those that whole list is Officer. And then the Commanders, which is right below Knight, I mean, in theory, is Clapton, Sting, the Bee Gees, Roger Daltrey, Brian May, Robert Plant, <laughs> Rick Wakeman from Yes. Yeah. And then sure. uh, most recently, uh, Bernie Toppin. Yeah. Okay. And that was last year. I, I wonder if there are people that have been knighted that I don't know. Because I mm, so I mean you mean like in terms of musicians yeah okay we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that but one thing that I think is interesting to point out here is that all of that that I just described has happened in the last twenty years hmm. so she had reigned for or twenty ish years she had reigned for almost fifty years before she starts handing out these significations to musicians so, at this level now knights were a little bit earlier there's not a real honoring of this of any sort of caliber of a musician like this after the 1965 dust up with the Beatles it doesn't happen again until she knights someone in 1986 86 okay Okay. so we'll talk about that in a second and we should say that being knighted just that act much bigger deal from a ceremonial standpoint than any of these George 5 awards right because knights they get the sword ceremony and like they get, and like they it's get nine sir. twelve. Yeah, they get sir, but they also they get touched by a sword. Yeah, we don't do anything like that in America. No. Uh, so, any guesses on who that first rock star to be knighted is? 80, 86. Mark Knopfler. Uh, <laughs> George Michael. There's some guy right now wearing a smoking jacket listening to this. He's like, "Yeah, brother, Mark Knopfler. It should have been Knopfler." He's like, "He's like, man, I love that non-radio edit, brothers and arms." Or Fagin. It was. It should have been Fagin, maybe. <laughs> 86. Uh, I don't know. Shit, hit me with it. So, reading from the LA Times archive here, June 10th, 1986, Queen Elizabeth II today awarded Irish rock star Bob Geldof mm, an honorary knighthood in recognition of his work in organizing Band-Aid and other concerts that raised millions of dollars for the starving people of Africa, the Foreign Office announced. Because he's not a British citizen, Geldof will not be Sir Bob Geldof. This is another weird British thing. But Bob Geldof KBE, which is just like a signature you put on your email. <laughs> So weird. Uh, he didn't have email to put it on, yeah. which what? stands for Knight Commander of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. Knight Commander of the Most yeah. Excellent British so Empire. I wonder why Ronnie James Dio didn't get knighted for putting together hearing aid. I Listen, that was a huge historical oversight. <laughs> Let's launch a campaign from this podcast to the New Monarch's ears. Stand up and shout, New Monarch. Okay, so as I said earlier, the Foreign Secretary, Sir Jeffrey Howe, he was the one that recommended Geldof, which makes sense because here's a guy who's doing a bunch of work for other countries. So, like, he's connected to it, right? So, Bob Geldof's doing all this charity work. The recommendation gets made by the Foreign Secretary for International Relations. This all connects. Again, like the Beatles being honored for their economic impact, this has merit. Now, there's another gap. So, 65 to 86. And then the Queen will not wade into these waters again until 1995. Hmm. 
And in the end of the 90s, the queen gets a little more generous. She will knight Cliff Richards. He's, <laughs> he's like the British Elvis, for yeah. those of you who don't know. Um, and then things get a little more regular at the end of the decade. George Martin in 96, Paul McCartney in 97, Elton in 98. Yeah. George Martin, long overdue. And so now we get to the main meat of this story that I wanted to bring up to you today. Okay. So there's something else? Oh, there's an actual controversy. Wait. There is something else? Okay, so Tom Jones, Bono, Rod Stewart, Van Morrison, Ray Davies, Ringo, Barry Gibb. They've all been knighted in the last 20 years. Tom Jones. That's yeah. right. Okay. And Pl- Placido Domingo, who I did not put on this list, but and Ravi Shankar, when we're just talking about music. Yeah. So all those guys. Amazing. They've, they've all been knighted. You asked me if there was anybody you didn't know. So are any of those surprising outside yeah. of Tom Jones? Yeah, I didn't know all of those. Oh, okay, okay. For sure. So we're about to do some more... British history, but I promise this is less dodgy and more fun than talking about the Middle Ages. Okay. I'm Uh, ready. Do you notice in that list I just gave you any major British exports who are not mentioned? No, the Rolling Stones aren't mentioned. The Rolling Stones aren't mentioned. Easy. Right? Okay. So, now, let's do this historical jump. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I love talking about rock and roll history. Not as fond about talking about my immune system and my gut health. But if you get in a situation where you are having problems with those things, it becomes very, very important. So let's get you in a place where you're not having problems with those things. I say that because Athletic Greens was created by a guy who experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on this complicated supplement routine that cost him 100 bucks a day. And he said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's when he came up with this. It costs you less than $3 a day. It's lifestyle friendly. doesn't matter if you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free like half of my house. Any of that is fine. This will still work for you and it's going to do things to help your nervous system, your gut health, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, all that stuff. Find out. It's simple. All you have to do is head over to athleticgreens.com slash emerging and take ownership over your health and pick up a little daily nutritional insurance. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Now, back to the show. Have you ever heard of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band? (laughs) First, give me a t-shirt. Also, looking at your face when I said that was as fun as it was when I read it the first time. Just say all those words together and tell me if it's one proper noun. (laughs) No, it is separated. So Bonzo Dog Do, D-O-O, Da, D-A-H, Band. Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. No. And and every time I say it, I have to stop myself from saying Bonzo Dog Doodoo Band, which is just what feels natural. Which is what I hear every time you say it. Right? I've heard heard Doodoo twice, three times. I said it. These guys incredibly historically important for the dumbest reasons. So (laughs) you, you don't know the songs, but this band has had an incredible knack for coining phrases that will become way more important than their band was. They do it not once but twice. They're this group of weirdo British art school students in the late 60s who are doing weird combos of like music hall, traditional jazz, and psychedelia with like humor inserted, right? Given their name, you can tell. And it's sort of like avant-garde art. And they get some notoriety from this 1968 ITV comedy show called Do Not Adjust Your Set. And in their catalog, they have two song titles that will go on to be way more significant than they are. And the song titles are not the songs, they're just titles that someone else used, or are they actual songs? They're, they're actual songs. That someone covers later? 
their actual no, their actual songs with titles. No one knows the songs, but the titles of the songs will go on to be significant. The other things will name themselves after these songs. After those titles, okay. So the first one, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, is their song, Death Cab for Cutie. Someone's gonna make you pay your fare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Check. Is there another one? What's the, the other one? The second one is they have a song they name Cool Britannia. Cool Britannia, which will go on to be shorthand for British culture and the economic rise of the 90s. Cool Britannia is a movement that happens. We talked about Oasis on the show recently. Oasis was the face of Cool Britannia. This was like a thing that people just used. Like, I think journalists used it. I think, you know, it was like academics used it to talk about the time period and what was happening. But it was about the adaptation and the re, like, sort of reclamation of youth culture at the time in the 90s. And one of the big figureheads associated with this, one of the big transitions synonymous with it, is Tony Blair becoming prime minister. Yeah. Now, we saw something similar in the States, right? Remember this? Clinton on Arsenio Hall. Yep. Clinton talking about smoking weed, sort of. Uh, <laughs> Clinton was, he was cool. That yeah. was the whole thing. And and he was portrayed that way so that he could, I mean, that was some pretty great strategy with the Democrats. Probably. It was great strategy because he wasn't very progressive. <laughs> No. You know, now, historically, you're like, that guy was practically conservative. Yeah. Um, well, as long as you don't tell anybody, then you can join the army, too. Well, yeah, hey. um, so Tony Blair was looking for some of that cachet, right? He used to talk about how he was in a punk band in college. You ever heard him talk about right. this? Yeah, sure did. Um, he loved to invite people to Downing Street to take photos with him who were famous rock stars. That was a thing. And we haven't talked a lot about this yet, but these suggestions on who gets honored by the queen, like I said, they come from different folks in the administration. And so the prime minister can make suggestions. Like the, in 65, the prime minister was the one who went to the queen and said, you should honor the Beatles. And so in the early 2000s, Tony Blair, actually in the late 90s, like as soon as he gets in office, but it will continue into the early 2000s, Tony Blair takes up this campaign to get Mick Jagger knighted. Wow. And this does not work. I'm glad you said Mick Jagger and not Uncle Cracker. <laughs> so- <laughs> That'd be a hard right turn. Yeah. So, okay, so Blair goes at this. So, so this what is ha- like his thing. So, what happens? Because it's like, well, Mick Jagger should now, like, have some type of honor, right? Let me hit the list of the already knighted at this point one more time. So, not the people who have been knighted since, but at this time, when he's trying to have this conversation with the Queen, Bob Geldof, Cliff Richards, George Martin, Paul McCartney, Elton John. These guys have made major humanitarian contributions along with their art. Geldof arguably really gets it only for the humanitarian side, right? Like he's, it, it's not about his music. Nobody, nobody's like the Boomtown Rats. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Look, look what you did to NXS. Yay. But what if what what has Jagger done for like so humanitarian? This is stuff? the thing that pisses everybody off, right? Okay, so again, like Elton John, LGBTQ and AIDS community, he supported, right? I mean, George Martin and Paul McCartney, it's been a massive contribution to music, but they also have been philanthropic and, and all that's happened, right? So when Tony Blair starts saying he wants Mick Jagger to get the honor, 
people get mad. There's this quote from Philip Norman, who will go on to write one of the definitive Jagger biographies. And back in the early 2000s, he, he, was, he said this, quote, Jagger does not deserve a knighthood. There has to be some other dimension to a person's life who is given a knighthood, even if it's just an attempt to put something back into the country. So what was Jagger putting back into the world around him at this time, right? Now, I was going to say in like the early 70s, he was going to France, so he wouldn't have to pay taxes in England. So this is one of the things that comes up, right? He was, he was not only was he living a life full of partying and indiscretion, um, he also was totally not paying taxes. Like, that was a big thing. I mean, exile on Main Street? Like, that's went, a whole thing. They went to France. He was famous for being like, I'm not going to support the British Empire. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to leave the British Empire. So now you're going to let this guy be a knight? And then the other thing he was doing was uh, he just wasn't being very nice to women in general. Uh, I don't, this was like a, around the time that Brazilian model uh, Luciana Jimenez Morad took him to court to force him to support their child. Mm. Like, do you know this whole story? Yep. Yeah, the court orders him to pay 35K a month in child support because he's having nothing to do with it. Um, a little before that, he had convinced a British court to rule his marriage to Jerry Hall Nolan Void. Yep. Remember that? Pe- people have definitely taken a blind eye to the fact that Jagger is kind of a douche. <laughs> and I'm, I'm definitely underselling the word douche here. I can't think about a better word. So, so Blair makes this request to the Queen, and the Queen literally the first time writes back, not suitable. <laughs> She doesn't even engage. That's punk rock as shit. I know. She just writes it. Like, I, I like to imagine she put it on a paper airplane and just, like, flew it over to his office. It's like when someone sends a case to the Supreme Court and they have the two-sentence ruling that says they're not going to hear it. And it's yeah. like, yeah. oh, yeah. you hired lawyers for this crap? So, now, Blair will go on to request this four more times after the first. So, every year, every time he gets a chance, he makes it his thing. This is cool Britannia, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna get Mick Jagger to be a knight. Like he's very into this. What does Jagger have on that Tony Blair guy? <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, because Jagger also, there's other reasons the Queen would not want this. Uh he once called the Queen Chief Witch. Like that was a thing that happened. He also once proclaimed publicly that quote, anarchy is the only slight glimmer of hope. Um, and we already said. Totally tax exile. And and how about the dancing in the street video with David Bowie? <laughs> I mean, we love them both. But if you just like take if you just like take the vocals out and just watch the video, what was that? You know, you, you bring up Bowie, and it's an interesting side note here. Bowie is actually he's he's never knighted, but he is offered one of the distinctions that I mentioned. I forget which level, but I think it was like the highest one. And he turns it down. He turns it down. Yeah. yeah. So there is one more piece of this rivalry of sorts between the crown and Jagger, and that's that's where we're really headed, which is where the queen has a whole other beef, has a whole other beef with I Jagger. Up with Jagger, I mentioned that the Jagger biographer Philip Norman had this book. Right, there's another guy who will write a book called Mick: The Wildlife and Mad Genius of Jagger. This is like ten years old now. It's put together by this dude named Christopher Anderson. And The Guardian will review this book in 2012 and call it, quote, an anthology of juicy gossip. And note that Anderson, quote, knows that his audience would rather be privy to the bedroom than to the recording studio. Yeah. So 
Some of this has to be taken with caution. I don't know if it's a thousand percent true, but Anderson argues and others have agreed to certain levels since that much of the reason the queen was not too fond of Jagger was because Jagger had been fond of her sister. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, there's an, there's an excerpt of this book in the show notes and it's long and there's a lot of it and it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I, like, like what? was described by the Guardian, lascivious stuff. Uh, I'm going to read and borrow from it heavily starting now. It's said that at the 16th birthday party of Lady Victoria Ormsby Gore, who was the daughter of a former British ambassador to the United States, uh, the two of them will meet Princess Margaret and Mick Jagger. Princess Margaret. Yeah. Now, he's there with his girlfriend, Chrissy Shrimpton. Margaret's married to Lord Snowden at the time. I thought you were going to say Lord Snot. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Lord Snowden. Okay. Uh, but she was already famous, and I didn't dig too much into this, but I guess at this point she's already sort of known for liaisons with younger men. Younger men. <laughs> you like how I said that? <laughs> Dude, it's kind of creepy. After that night, after this party where they meet, there is a source who says that, quote, they spoke on the phone constantly and she invited him to social events. Now, the queen could put up with the Beatles, right? The Beatles... There was a sweetness to them. Sure, they may yeah. have smoked pot in the bathroom, but they were nervous, right? Like, it's different. And, than, all the, and their, first, their songs are really famous where all had those personal pronouns. They're all sweet, from me to you, and she sure. loves you, and I want to hold your hand. They were cute, and the Stones were not the same band. Yeah, none of this existed for the Stones. The Stones were danger. And there's this famous story that later, that Margaret will end up at this party uh, with Mick Jagger, and it's this party that a mutual acquaintance is throwing to celebrate a visit from Allen Ginsberg. Now, you might imagine what sort of party favors they have at a party for Allen Ginsberg. Just cotton candy and peanut M&Ms. And those peanut M&Ms have double the hash they're supposed to have in them. They have mescaline in them. Well, no, actually, so they, they were passing around this tray of brownies, and it was made from the, that, like, cook, the hippie cookbook, but like the cook put twice the hash in them, like literally did this. And it makes everybody super sick. And so the queen gets a call at midnight that Margaret is oh, in the hospital no. with food poisoning, oh. severe food poisoning. She's OD'd on hash brownies. So this is the kind of stuff that's happening not, when she hangs out with Mick. Not suitable. So there's... <laughs> <laughs> gonna start doing that with with anything with anything when the kids ask for things in the house <laughs> like going to bed is that not suitable just gonna slide a piece of paper across the table <laughs> not suitable it's like tyrant parent <laughs> not suitable this is a monarchy damn it <laughs> uh, so it, the, there's never actually an affair confirmed uh, they may have just been good friends. I mean, who knows? But they stay in contact. Margaret even convinces Mick in seventy one to build a house in Mystique. Uh, which is a small exclusive Caribbean island where she liked to hang out. Who knows? Jagger's longtime publicist will say, quote, the queen loved her sister and worried about her. Jagger was a friend of Princess's, Princess Margaret's for over 40 years, and all that time the queen thought he was a corrupting influence. Yeah, there's nothing corrupting influence about Mick Jagger. Not at all. So fast forward to the late 90s. The name Mick Jagger keeps coming up for knighting. She denies it, she denies it, she denies it, like I said, five times. Finally, in 2002, she gives up. His name appears on the birthday honors list. But in true Mick fashion, he gets notified of the honor. Because remember, this isn't his fight. This is Tony Blair's fight. Yeah, he's... He doesn't even really know this is happening. <laughs> and so he gets the honor, and he's like, oh, sorry, love, I can't make it. And he postpones the date of the ceremony. 
Not once. Not twice. Not three times. Not four times. Not five times. Not six. I can't Ten times. Oh, my God. He postpones the ceremony ten times. And this is where... Ten times? When you get the story from Anderson, you get this version that says that when it's finally going to happen, the queen schedules a surgery so that she won't have to be the one to do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Even, quote, even Charles had been surprised when the queen suddenly decided to have elective surgery on her left knee that day yeah. because there was no pressing need for the operation. This is the literal... <laughs> this is literally, I would rather have my teeth pulled. I would rather have cartilage taken out of my left knee than knight Mick Jagger. <laughs> so this leaves the duty to Prince Charles. And uh, Charles is said to have his, had his own beef with Mick. This is maybe my favorite anecdote that I ran across in this. So <laughs> apparently Diana, a fan of Mick Jagger, which checks out. Why, right. why wouldn't you be? Well, yeah, I'm sure that Mick Jagger was a fan of Princess Diana. So he, yeah, okay. So to that point, she sets up a tea with Mick Jagger at Kensington Palace, and Charles shuts it down. And they get in this big fight. This is all in the Anderson book. They get in this big fight, and they come up with a compromise. And the compromise is, if you're going to invite a rock star to have tea with you, it has to be somebody less sexy. So guess who... (laughs) She gets to come to tea. Well, it's not Keith Richards because they wouldn't invite him. Phil Collins. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fill my face. What the hell has happened? Wait, what? Why? Why did? Why did it go from? <laughs> I, I just have this from Mick. This to- is like the porch list, right? Like you know, you, you have one of those. You have one of those like passes with your 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 wife, where it's like here's the list of people. It's like fake, stupid game married people play. I think I I thought that I did, but I don't. <laughs> she does. I don't. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, I I don't have that. I just like this idea that they're sitting there and they have a piece of paper and they're like writing things. <laughs> She's writing names and he's just writing not suitable. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting less sexy as as she goes. Yeah. She's just picking more and more sexy people, and he just keeps going. Phil Collins <laughs> across the table, Abacab. No jacket required. Oh, this is amazing! Oh my god! So 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 uh, Susu Studio comes to comes to tea. Right? Well, so there's an additional mention that there was also this history of Jagger breaching royal etiquette by keeping one hand in his pocket. Uh, and the other one smoking a cigarette. No, uh, one hand in his pocket while he shook Charles's hand at a prince's trust dinner in 1991. This is the sort of stuff they get hung up on in Britain. Like this is a real thing. It's all about yeah the, these, the actions you take to signify the importance of the other person. I feel like I would feel all those things. Oh, I, I would for sure. Despite all of this, it finally happens. Uh, they finally have this knighting ceremony after ten reschedules. Prince Charles does it. And Jagger shows up. He is wearing a suit, a striped suit with leather lapels. But when he shows up, it's covered by a leather trench coat and a six-foot-long red cashmere scarf and Adidas tennis shoes. That is what he wears to get knighted. (laughs) It's like so much shade. (laughs) So right now, as we record this, I'm wearing a Keith Richards t-shirt. Uh, Keith Richards had an opinion about this too. He was not happy 
about Mick getting knighted. And not because he wanted to get knighted, because he thought it was stupid. Uh, he's on the record as saying, quote, I thought it was ludicrous to take one of those gongs from the establishment when they did their very best to throw us in jail and kill us at one time. Still bitter about those drug charges. Uh, but all of this is like nearly 20 years in the past now. Yeah. Which is crazy. And so when the queen passed recently, Mick chimed in with thousands of others on social media to mourn her passing. And he wrote, for my whole life, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has always been there. Right. <laughs> you can really read. <laughs> I mean, that's just a statement. We could all say that. In, in my childhood, I can recall watching her wedding highlights on TV. I remember her as a beautiful young lady to the much beloved grandmother of the nation. My deepest, my deepest sympathies are with the royal family. I love that statement because it is absolutely meaningless. Like he just stated facts. I remember seeing yeah. her on television. Yeah, that's a publicist, maybe for it all. He, that. She was a queen. <laughs> I. I'm a rock star. Declarative statement in 180 <laughs> characters. So there you go. I know a story about the queen. I wanted to are, oh, throw are, it in. Throw it on co- top. Oh, is this the end of that? No, that was let's amazing. Go. I, it's, it's, it's quite the story. When somebody, yeah. So the producers reached out this week and they're like, listen, there may be something here around the royal family. And I was, I was like, I don't know. You want to do something about the, about the queen? It's like, I'll look, I'll look around. And I very quickly found that there was this thing about Mick Jagger not being a knight. And I was like, okay, now that's pretty damn interesting. So shouts to Leif and Troy who always know best. So here's my queen story that I had never heard of until this week. Okay. Uh, And it's it's some, I forget, I forget part of the story. Someone was with Sir Paul McCartney and they were going to Abbey road to record some things. And McCartney told the story about the queen that came up. The queen, queen Elizabeth came up and Paul was supposed to play a birthday party for Queen Elizabeth. So this whole thing goes down. So McCartney is apparently wherever they're together and goes over to the Queen and says, you know, I don't know how you actually say hello, Queen Mom, or whatever you say to her. And he's like, you know, I'm really excited. I'm here. I'm going to play some music for your birthday. And she goes, oh, it, it's 15 minutes to eight. I've got to go watch Twin Peaks. And bailed on McCartney because she had to go watch Twin Peaks. Ah, she was into some freaky shit. I'm just saying she bailed on a beetle. She's like, ah. David Lynch, greater than beetle. That's the equation that ruled her life. I love that. Hey, if you've got uh, if you got a story for us, if you've got comments, if you've got a... Something that happened with the Queen? Let us know. I want to know. We are the story guys at gmail.com. You can tweet at Murdoch at Hey It's Murdoch on Twitter. And uh, what should people keep doing until next time? Keep telling stories. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.